14 this morning for the reading of the Word of God. Luke chapter 10, verse number 17. And when you find your place, if you would, uh, in recognition and honor of the Word of God, let's stand to our feet this morning as we read verse 17 down through verse number 20. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to, uh, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's what I'm going to preach on this morning. Why not rejoice? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for this privilege that you have given us to come once again and expound the word of God. Now, Father, I can only do what you can do through me. And I pray now, Father, that you would fill me with your spirit this morning and fill this people with thy spirit and help us as a people to learn how to rejoice. And I pray now that you take the message and use it for your glory. And may you get glory. May the Lord Jesus be praised and honored and glorified and lifted up We'll do our best to honor you, Father, and to praise you in Christ's name. And for his sake we pray, amen and amen. If you would, be seated. Preaching on a subject this morning, why rejoice or why you can rejoice. In the day in which we're living, sometimes it's hard to rejoice. I mean, when you see the country in turmoil, Sin on every hand is out of hand. This country is in a mess everywhere you look. I mean, people don't know which way to go. They don't know which way to turn. They're looking in the wrong direction for, uh, for trying to meet the problems and the troubles they have in their life. And it's hard sometimes for even people who really are trying to serve the Lord and are letting the Lord have his way and will in their life. It's hard sometimes to rejoice. Sometimes when I hear the news, I, I just have to get up and go off somewhere and go off to my little place where I get along with the Lord and say, God, we're in a mess. I mean, God, which way do we turn? And then I think about Peter when uh, when uh, the Lord told Peter after they, he'd fed the 5,000 and the crowd began to leave and Christ turned to his disciples and said, will you also go away? And Peter, you know, the, oftentimes spoke up when nobody else would with great words of wisdom said, Lord, uh, to whom shall we go? Who can we turn to? You're the only one that has the words of eternal life. That's a great statement. And I think, Lord, who can we turn to? What can we do? And then I think the Lord says, I'm still on the throne. I mean, I haven't, I haven't departed. Things are not out of hand. I mean, they're not beyond my control. I know what's going on. I can see. I'm omniscient. I'm not present. Everywhere present. All-knowing God. 
and things are not out of control as far as God is concerned. These disciples have been out. The Lord had chosen 70 of them. And he sent them out, and the word of God says that he sent them into cities where he himself would come. And he told them as he sent them out, he said, go into these cities. And he said, wherever they receive you, he said, bless that home. But wherever they do not receive you, he said, kick the dust off your feet when you leave and come on back. And when they came back, they came back rejoicing. They're hyped up. They're like a bunch of Baptists, hyped up. Boy, they're rejoicing. Boy, they're praising the Lord that the demons and the devils are obeying them, that they're casting out evil spirits and all of these things. And, and the Lord said, hey, wait a minute. Calm down. Don't rejoice because you have a little bit of power over Satan and over his, his imps and over his uh, demons. He said, rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And I want to say to you this morning, if there's a cause of rejoicing amongst God's people, it ought to be because our name is written in heaven and we have a home over there. First of all, I want to give you three points and I'm going to try to make it brief this morning, try to get you out uh, here on time, about 2 or 3 o'clock, since we're not having no evening service. <laughs> That's all right, did it? <laughs> I'm going to try to make it brief. But I want, first of all, to give you a good reason why you ought to be hyped up this morning and rejoicing in the Lord. First of all, you ought to be hyped up and rejoicing because of your eternal salvation. And when you stop and think about this morning what that means, salvation is more than a get-out-of-hell-free card. Salvation brings with it many wonderful gifts that the believer has in the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, I want you to think about what we have in our salvation. Number one, in salvation we have a relationship with our heavenly father that this world doesn't have. I want you to think about this this morning. The storm clouds are raging. The wind is blowing. The water is rising. But God's people can rejoice. Why? This world out in the midst of all of the storms and the troubles and the problems and the trials, know not or have not, Brother Brandon, a relationship like we have with our Savior. Yes. A relationship. At the very instant of our conversion, we have a relationship with God that we didn't have before. Amen. A new relationship is formed. One time I didn't know God. One time I was far away from God. As the word of God said we were just, uh, he, he said in the book of Ephesians that we one time were aliens. We were alienated from God. We had no hope in the world. See, God was dealing with the nation of Israel. The Gentiles didn't have any hope whatsoever. But I'm glad now we have a relationship the newborn child of God instantly becomes a child of God when he trusts Jesus as his personal Savior. 
1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And if you want to write these scriptures down, I have several. I could give you a whole lot. I just don't have time to give you all of them. But I'll give you a few. The Bible said in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Man, I like that. That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Verse number two, beloved, now are we the sons of God and it doeth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. I have a relationship this morning that one day because I am a son of God or a child of God, I'm gonna be just like the Lord Jesus. Have you ever thought about that? I think about I get get bad. You just, you know, just hold on. If I get all stirred up this morning, you know my bees might get the swarm in there. I might have to cut the honey tree. But when I I get to thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ, when He was on the Mount of Transfiguration, and there was Peter and James and John, uh, that inner group of disciples that was with the Lord. Uh, in uh, important things a lot more than the other disciples were. And all of a sudden, a cloud comes down there on the Mount of Transfiguration, and all of a sudden, the Lord, in the midst of that cloud, lights up brighter than any light that could ever be up on this earth. And had it not been for the clouds that covered them, it would have instantly killed those disciples within that glory. And I get to thinking about that and I get to thinking about what Revelation says when Jesus comes back to this earth to set up his kingdom, he's going to make the sun go out. Oh, what glory. And then I think about because I'm a son of God that one of these days, Brother Brandon, hallelujah, I'm going to have a body just like that. The word of God says I'm going to shine above the noonday sun. Praise God. Hallelujah. If that ain't enough for God's people to rejoice, brother, I don't know what's wrong with you. We ought to let this world know that we've got something, brother, that they don't have. And every time we get an opportunity, we ought to shout and praise God and tell him just how much we love him and how much we can rejoice because of what he's done for us. Have a relationship. There's a couple things that goes along with the relationship that we have. Number one, there is such thing called an adoption. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, Paul said, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. Now, in a few minutes, I'm going to tell you what that means. And, brother, if that don't get you stirred up, nothing will. And because we are sons, God has sent forth his spirit, the spirit of his son, into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That word Abba is 
identical with the word father, which just means father, father. Or in other words, papa, papa. Can you imagine coming to God and saying, papa, papa? And can you imagine crying out unto him by the Spirit, a holy God, a righteous God, because we are sons of God? We can do that because of the Spirit that he has given us of his Son. Now, the word adoption itself comes from two Greek words, huios and thea, or thesia, which means a son placing or placing as an adult son. I read this and I wrote it down. It says, it means to place as a son. The picture of adoption is a beautiful picture of what God does for the Christian. In the ancient world, the family was based on a Roman law called Patria Potestas, which means the father's power. The law gave the father absolute authority, authority over his children so long as the father lived. He could work, enslave, sell, and if he wished, he could pronounce the death penalty on his children or on his son. Regardless of the child's adult age, the father held all power over personal and property rights. Now think about that. That was the law, Roman. Therefore, listen to this now, brother. <laughs> Adoption was a serious matter, yet it was a common practice to ensure that a family would not become extinct by having no male children. And when a child was adopted, there were three legal steps to be taken. Boy, I love this. The adopted son, <laughs> oh, glory to God, hallelujah, was adopted Permanently. Oh, you'll get it in a minute. He could not be adopted today and disinherited tomorrow. Hallelujah. Glory to God. A family cannot take in a son and adopt him and then the next day say, we don't want you. Boy, I'm telling you, if you understand what God did for us when he saved us and put us in his family, man, he adopted us and made us adult sons with all of the rights to the inheritance, praise God, as the rest of the family. Whew, hallelujah. He became a son of the Father forever. He was eternally secure as a son. I mean, I'm here to tell you this morning, honey, you can't lose it, bless God, if you've ever had it. Somebody said I might fall all over the rock. The rock might accidentally fall on me. But bless God, I ain't never going to fall off of it because that's a sure foundation, bless God, that can't be moved. Amen. And then the second thing, adoption. The adopted 
uh, son immediately had all the rights of a legitimate son in the new family. I have a, she considers herself my first cousin. She's not blood related. But my aunt adopted children and she adopted two daughters and they're, they're not even related either. But the one, the oldest one, she thinks of me as her close relative because she become a member of the family and she understands what it means to be adopted. Boy, you ought to hear sometime. She told my aunt's real daughter when they tried to cut her out of the property and all of this. And they told her, said, you're not even part of the family. And this was a blessing. And she looked at her and she said, you know what? She said, you think about this. She said, when mama decided to adopt me, she chose me. But she said, when she had you, she had no choice. She had to take what she got. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I think about that this morning. Just what God did when he adopted me into the family of God. Brother, he may can cut off some others, but he won't cut me off. Hallelujah. And I'm more of the family of God than those Jews who claim their rights to God. <laughs> Number three. There, uh, the adopted son. Listen to this. The adopted son completely lost all rights in his old family. I mean, Brother Brandon, the devil's got no more hold on me and sin has no more hold on me this morning because I've been adopted into the family of God. Oh, glory to God, hallelujah. If you ever get that, this room won't be able to hold you. You wonder why I get excited whenever they start talking about the Lord? Brother, let me tell you something. I've got something. If you don't want to understand what you have in the Lord, brother, I suggest you get in the Word of God and start finding out what you have in Him. Adopted son completely lost all rights in his old family. The adopted son was looked on as a new person, so new that old debts, (laughs) glory to God, obligations connected with his former family were canceled out and abolished as if they never existed. Brother Horn, everything that was against us as sinners has been abolished and done away with. You look at my record this morning and it says clean by the blood of the Lamb. Glory, hallelujah. Preacher says, you know, we're not supposed to preach these kind of sermons on Sunday morning. We're supposed to preach salvation messages. Well, this is salvation. If you're not saved, I suggest you get in. Amen. And uh, we're supposed to preach these kind of sermons on Sunday night when just, you know, the majority of the saints is there. But I'm saying this morning because of what we have, I think we can rejoice as a family here this morning, Sunday morning. Amen. Glory to God. We've been adopted. There's an access because of our adoption. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. 
Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When you become a child of God, that means that the Heavenly Father may tell one of his children, such as the nation of Israel, some of those, you know, you can't come into the presence. But one of his adopted children, the Heavenly Father says, we have an access to the throne room because we are adopted and we have all of the rights and privileges. And brother, he doesn't pull a curtain. You know, the word of God says the curtain was ripped, torn from the top to the bottom when Christ hung on the cross. That means in the holy of holies where God dwells, there has been a way open and access into his presence, brother, that will never be closed again for the child of God. That means because I'm adopted into the family and have all the rights and privileges, I can come to him anytime I want to. I mean, it doesn't matter. I'll be riding around on my lawnmower. The Holy Spirit of God begins to bless or something begins to trouble me. Old Satan comes around and I have to stop the lawnmower every now and then get off and say, Satan, you're just going to have to leave here because me and God's got to talk. And I can come boldly to the throne. He does not deny me access. Do you realize this morning that there was a time when only a high priest could go back behind that veil once a year? But oh, I want you to know when the high priest tore the curtain in two <laughs> from the top to the bottom, he made a way where I can come in any time, day or night. Makes no difference. I can be here. I can be in Virginia. I can be... In Canada, I could be in Hawaii. I could be anywhere in this world and I can come boldly, Brother David, to the throne of grace because I have access. That means when the storms get to howling, I've got access. (laughs) That means when the wind gets to blowing, I have access. That means when somebody hates me and they threaten to kill me, I've got access. Yep, man, brother. Let me tell you something this morning. I've got access to the Father because of adoption. And then I want us to think about this. When we are adopted in the family of God, there's a renewal that takes place in our lives. Colossians 2.13 says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, Hath he quickened. The word quickened carries with it the idea of making alive. So he says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath made you alive together with him. I'm no longer dead. I'm alive with Christ. 
How? Having, uh, the word of God says, having forgiven you all trespasses. Every sin I had has been forgiven. I've been made alive in Christ. I have been cleansed in him. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Then something else. We're changed <laughs> by him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And the Greek rendering of that word creature is a new creation. God has done something new within us. He's taken a dead person and made him alive. Amen. That means my spirit, which was dead toward God one time, uh, now is alive toward God. Old things are passed away, the Word of God says. Behold, all things are become you. I'm in Christ. Everything changes. Hallelujah, because of Jesus. Then think about this. Because of our relationship to God and our being renewed unto him, there's a reward one day for service. Now, how do you like that? God takes an old sinner, saves him by his grace through his son, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, makes him new, makes him alive, puts him in the family, and then is going to reward him, Brother Brandon, one day, for being in the family. Man, can you beat that? That's better than welfare. Hey, you can't trust welfare. They can cut that off. Hey, uh, Miss Sue, you can't trust that Social Security check. They can cut that off. But I'm going to tell you one thing. They can't cut God off. <laughs> and the Word of God says... As hard as it may be to imagine, the Lord is going to reward his children both now and when they get home. Brother Brandon, I'm glad right now we're getting some fringe benefits on that which is to come. Oh, glory. Romans 8, 16 and 17 says, and I stapled my Notes together here on the wrong side. I figured something was going to happen. The devil's going to get into it, but that's all right. Them staples come right apart, and it just folds right over like that, and there they are. <laughs> that's why I write my sermons down or, or my uh, scriptures down when I prepare because I may forget what they are, and I can't find them. But I have it right here. Listen to this, Romans 8, 16, 17. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together, be also glorified together. Titus chapter 3, verse 7. Listen to this, that being justified by his grace, 
we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. You're talking about benefits. You know, oftentimes you go on a public job and the first thing the employee wants to know from the employer is how much you're going to pay me. I learned years ago when I was be looking for a job, never mentioned the, the thing of money first. That turns that in, the one that's going to hire you off because, you know, you're looking for a job. You're, if you're really looking for a job, you need a job, you'll go to work for what you can get until you do better. Young generation needs to learn that today, brother. You need to learn that you can't start out up here, brother, and get higher. you got to start out down here and work your way up. And sometimes that takes a while. Brother David was talking a little while ago, was, made mention of the fact that everywhere he goes, from here through Indiana and everywhere, he says billboards, hiring, everywhere. I was offered a job not too long ago down here by low myself. I'm 76 years old. Man says, you know, I told him, I said, well, I'm 76. He said, well, I'll hire you you want a job Amen. I said well you know I said I can't do like I one time did he said look he said I can hire an older person and tell that person what to do and they get the job done because they got wisdom and they're smart and know how to get the job done he said this young generation he said you tell them to do something he said five minutes they done forgot it and he said all they know how to do is this yeah. Now, God is going to reward us, Brother Brandon, for being in the family. He's given us a job, and listen, let me tell you. We ought to do the best that we can for our Savior, not because we're trying to pay him. There's no way I can pay God and pay the Lord for what they've done for me, but because I love him. Every now and then I can sit down beside that old sinner in Walmart and I can look over at him and I can say, Sir, do you know the Savior? And I can witness to him and try to get him to come to Christ and come to church and try to tell him, Look, brother, there's a family that you need to get into. And every now and then, you know, I, I like Brother David and these folks, I can't go the way I used to. My body won't let me go like that anymore. But going to a nursing home, or like Brother Justin going off to the prison camp. You're not trying to pay God. You're just doing a job because God has saved you and you love him and you love his word and you're trying to get the word of God to people because you want them to have what you have. God help a Christian that doesn't want sinners to have what they have. Brother, I, I, I wish every sinner in this world knew what it was like to just lay on your pillow at night with the peace of God in your heart. 
knowing that if you don't wake up the next morning, I know where I'm going, brother. Don't weep over me. As Brother B.R. Lincoln said, when you push my body in front of this pulpit and they're having my funeral, don't feel sorry for me and don't say, oh, Brother Lincoln's gone. He's dead, boy. I'm going to be more alive then than I've ever been. Don't, don't worry about me, brother. I know where I'm going. Amen. And then I want you to notice that there was a rescue coming. If you'll read the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse number 1, somebody said the, the rapture was not mentioned anywhere in the Old Testament. I beg to differ. And I did not know this till yesterday. I went back to the book of Daniel, chapter 12, and verse number 1, and read that, and it talked about one day the dead rising and going to the judgment. Now, it's true, all the dead, Old Testament and New Testament believers, eventually are going to come out of that ground. Whether they're saved or lost, they're coming out one way or the other. At the rapture, those who are saved that belong to the church, the body of Christ, are coming out. And I believe that the book of Daniel, that God gave Daniel a little foreview of that. He didn't mention rapture, but he talked about their coming out and being resurrected. Let's turn over there and read that. Daniel chapter 12. I'll get there in just a second. I want us to look at that verse, Daniel chapter 12, verse number 1. Listen to this. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, talking about the tribulation, such as, uh, as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be deliver, delivered, listen to this, every one that shall be found written in the book. There's a foreview of the rapture and a foreview of all of those in the Old Testament that will be resurrected to go into the millennium in the Word of God. We have a rescue coming because we're part of the family. I want to tell you this morning, friend, you do not know how close we are to the rapture of the church. I mean, every way we turn, we see things that are happening that points to the coming tribulation, Brother Horn. And that tribulation cannot take place until the church is gone. The rapture has to take place. The Antichrist himself cannot be revealed until the church is gone. So don't try to figure out who the Antichrist is. You're not going to figure it out. We've been doing that for years. And every now and then I catch myself saying, I wonder who the Antichrist is. And then I remember what God said. The rapture takes place first. Don't, why are you worried about the Antichrist? You better worry about the coming of the Christ. The rapture. Is going to take place. We're going to be rescued, taken out of this world. 
And that could happen at any moment. I've got to hurry on. I've got two more points. I've got to quickly get through here. Another second reason that we ought to rejoice in the Lord is because of our eternal security. And I hear this crowd all the time, and it makes me so sick, saying, well, you can be saved today, but if you do something wrong, you lose it tomorrow. How can you lose something you didn't know you had to start with? And if you're thinking about losing your salvation, chances are you never had it, so how can you lose something you don't have? I'm not worried about what I can lose because my salvation is not in me. I, I didn't trust myself to save myself. I didn't pay for it. I, I, I didn't come to God and say, God, I'm offering you a good man right here. No, all I had to offer God when I came to him was an old lost sinner. Undone without Christ on my way to hell. No joy, no peace. And the Lord just saved me. He just redeemed me, brother. Uh, brother. Brandon, good, good to be saved, knowing it, secure. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 5. Listen to this now. If there's nothing else in the Word of God to get you to see that when you're saved, you have it, my friend, and it's not up to you. Now listen to this. Mark this in your Bible. 1 Peter 1, 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Ready to be revealed in the last time. You're not kept by your power. You're kept by his power. It doesn't depend on me. It depends on him. Just like this world going around and the sun coming up and going from the east to the west. Daily, it depends on God. doesn't depend on me. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. We have eternal salvation. The Lord Jesus gave a promise Along those lines, in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, he promised there that our names will not be blotted out. Now, let me get, give this to you if you're not saved this morning. If you're here and you're lost without Christ, when you die, and you die in that condition without Christ, your name's going to be blotted out of the book of life. Now, if you're not saved, there's two books. Preach preached on that not too long ago. There's the book of life. When you're born into this world in the flesh as a baby, your name is put in the book of life. When you're born again, when you get to the age of you realize that you are a sinner lost without Jesus Christ and you come to him and trust him as your Savior, your name is put in the Lamb's book of life. Now, if you're a sinner, you die, your name never was put in the Lamb's book of life. And if you die without Christ, when you come before the great white throne judgment of God, 
the books are open, you're going to realize that your name, when you were born into the human family, into this world, there's going to be a blot. Your name is blotted out. It's as though you have never been born. And people talk about a loving God and a holy God and a righteous God that's just somehow going to let you come in when you rejected his son and trampled his blood under your feet, that sacrifice that got us a sacrifice that I myself cannot understand why God loved me so much that he would send his son to pour my filthy sins on him on that cross and then pour his wrath out upon him for my sin. I can't understand that. But I'm so glad, hallelujah, that my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life this morning. And I'm glad one day when life goes out of this body, my name is going to show up where I was born in the human family. And then he opens that Lamb's Book and says, right here it is, Lamb's Book of Life. I'm going in. I have eternal security. And then last of all this morning, a third reason that we ought to rejoice is because of our eternal satisfaction. If being saved and being eternally secure is not enough to bring us to the point of where we can praise our Savior, then perhaps the thought of going to heaven will. You know what it means when the word written your name is written in heaven, like in Luke chapter 10 here we read this morning. It means you become a citizen. That's what it is, citizenship. I've got a citizenship. It's not in this world. It's on the other side. Billy Graham's, uh, somebody said Billy Graham standing there and said heaven. And over God said he's pointing way out. Trying to, well, I don't know how far heaven is, but I know one thing. It's only going to take the rapture for me to get there. <laughs> and the word of God says that's going to be in the twinkling of an eye faster. And somebody said it's time that cannot be divided. That's how fast I'm going to get there. Ain't no rocket ship will go that fast. Ain't one thing that will go that fast, and that's the speed of thought. Going to leave here. And just think of what it means to get there. And I want to close with this. There's some negative things that won't be in heaven, and I'm just going to get them real quickly here. Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. No tears, no death, no sorrow, and no pain. Revelation 21, verse 8. No sin, no sinners. Revelation 21, 22, no temple. Won't need one. Revelation 21, 23, no son won't need that either. Christ is going to be the light. Amen. Revelation 21, 25, no night. Don't you sometimes hate night? You ever been out, uh, you know, be doing something and all of a sudden you look and it's getting dark. You say, man, I wish I, could, I had a little bit more time. I could get this done. And, and you know you have to quit. Well, because some of you people that work, 24 hours a day, you know, you'd like to have a, a night time to come. <laughs> Brother Ernie. 
but no night. Most evil happens at night. Nighttime is always a scary time. I used to didn't sit by my uh, in front of my TV or in the living room with a gun laying by my side. But some of the things that happened over the last few years got me a little bit eerie about some of these people who decide they want to kick people's doors in and, and just come in and take what doesn't belong to them. I don't want to kill anybody. God knows my heart. I have no desire to do that. But you start kicking in my door, there's going to be something coming at you. I'm not looking to hurt anybody. I saw last night where they arrested some. I didn't see their pictures. I just heard it uh, on the news. They caught them carrying goods out from these people who had to leave their homes and and, and go somewhere else and come back and hear some thief coming in and looting their place. They, they arrest them and say, you know that uh, that's stealing. And they acted like it was nothing. Not going to be any of that in heaven. No night. No more curse. How awful this curse is on the planet because of man's sin. But there'll be no more of that. But let me give you some positive things. God, <laughs> with his people, Revelation 21, verse 3. The Lamb with his people, Revelation 21, 22, and 23. Verse 22, or chapter 22, verse 4. Jasper walls, pearly gates, golden streets, the redeemed, the glory of God. Oh, I think about when Moses, after God had called Moses, and Moses said, God, I, I want to see your face. Let me, let me just see your face. And God said, you can't look at my face and live. In other words, you can't see the glory of God in the human body and live. God said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put you in a cleft of the rock, and that's where we are, Brother Brandon. That's how we see the glory of God today. We're in the rock. And he said, I'll put my hand over the opening. And when I go by, I'll lift my hand and you can see my hinder parts. You know what that means in the Hebrew language? Hinder parts. It means God said, I'll lift my hand and I'll let you see <laughs> the afterglow. <laughs> We can't look on his face and I can't see his glory, but praise God every now and then he lets me have a little afterglow of his glory. But oh, glory to God, when I get to heaven, there's going to be a time when I can look directly at his glory. You know why? Because I'm going to have a glorified body just like that. I might not be much to look at now, but you wait till then. <laughs> no tears. I think about the tears sometimes we shed. Some tears for joy, but a lot of times there's tears of sorrow. When we've got problems in our life that we just don't know how to handle them. And all we can do is just come and get down 
And all we can do is just groan and moan and we can't even speak and we can't talk. But that Holy Spirit of God comes down and he understands every time, every whimper, every grief, every sorrow, he understands and he delivers that personally to the Lord Jesus Christ who is sitting at the right hand of God the Father and he delivers it to the Father. Oh, glory. And there's times when I don't know what to do. There's times when I say, I just don't know what I'm going to do. Times when a bill will come due and I don't know where I'm going to get the money. And sometimes I weep over things that I know I have no control over, but I weep. And I'm so glad that one day the Lord's going to come close enough. Just reach up and wipe those tears away. Brother B.R. Lakin says, he says, I know I can afford to shed a few tears just to have Jesus to come close enough to wipe them away. And finally, home. When I was in Vietnam, I, I never knew from one day to the next when I would be leaving. I mean, there's a set time I knew I had, when I got there, I had another year to do. But that's no surety in war. There's been many a dark night. I was lost, didn't know Christ. Off in the distance in the jungle, you hear machine gun go off. I've sat on the hill and heard the bullets as they whined going up through a hollow. And I'm sitting on the hill and nothing but jungle below us. Didn't know God. I didn't know how to pray, but I did. I promised the Lord. I said, if you'll help me get back home, I'll live for you. But I didn't. I went back on my promises when I got out. Sinners make all kinds of deals like that with God. You know, I'm glad God didn't pay attention to my deals. When I got back home or when I started back home, home was a long ways off. I was over 13,000 miles from home in a country I did not know fighting an enemy that I didn't really hate. I, I really didn't understand why I was there. I was there because that's where my president and country sent me. Been many a night I sit out in those homes. I had a wife, daughter at that time, my, my first child. I left while my wife was pregnant with our daughter. Never saw her until I got back home, which was almost two years, over two years, because I spent 16 months in Hawaii and, and a year in Vietnam. Hadn't saw my child. And I'd sit. And then when the day come, he said, pack up, you're going home. It was a long road, 10 miles, down an old cobblestone road. I can see that road now just as plain as if it was yesterday. I was sitting on a, a, a 
four by jeep with another rifleman and a radio operator and a jeep driver. Just four of us going down that cobblestone road, not knowing if you're going to make it to your destination. Long road toward home. I get down to Da Nang and I, uh, they're telling me, turn my gear in. Get all your stuff turned in. Uh, uh, you're going to be leaving here within the hour. Three days later, the plane came in and on the first night at Da Nang, after turning in my weapons and all of my military gear, there I sat, waiting to get orders to get on the plane to come home, and we were attacked that night at the airstrip by the Viet Cong. Blowed up planes, mortar rounds falling all around. I'm there, I'm saying, I don't know if I'm going to make it home. Here I am, I've got this close, and I'm going to be one of those that's going to get it before I get out of here. I'm never going to see home again. Finally, dawn comes, and then on the third day, we climb aboard a 707. That was the, small, uh, the biggest plane at that time they had. And they were using airlines to ferry troops in and out of Vietnam because all military planes were used in the war. I get on the plane, and I start out toward Okinawa. Land at Okinawa, and I think, well, maybe we'll get out of here quickly, sit there for a week. When am I going to get home? I can't wait to get home. I want to see my wife. I want to see my daughter that I haven't seen. When am I going to get home? And you know it's just like that now. Day in and day out, I say, Lord, is this the day that you can come and take us out of here? I'm so homesick. I want to get out of this world. I want to go home. Then finally, a week later, we get on a plane, land in California, sit there for a week and wait on orders. Where am I going? When am I going to get out of here? And finally, one day as they come out and they call my name, Corporal Looney, your orders are here. Hallelujah. I can't wait to get on a plane. And everywhere I went to Los Angeles, had to wait on the plane. I get from Los Angeles to St. Louis, I have to wait on the plane. I get on the plane to St. Louis, landing in uh, Atlanta, I have to wait on the plane. Finally land in Charlotte, I go to the bus station and catch a bus to Statesville. You know, back then you couldn't put no depends on bus. So that's a, uh, you know, way. I asked a person, I, I started to get a ticket. I said, how long will it be before a bus goes from here to Statesville? Three o'clock this afternoon, I look at my watch. It's 10 o'clock in the morning. I, and, and before I went to Vietnam, I had a theory. If you can't catch it right now, just get out on and I found out a lot of times I could be where I wanted to go before a bus ever thought about getting there. And I thought about that, and I said, no, I'm not going to do that. And I had gotten a taxi from the airport to 
the bus terminal, and I went back outside, and he was still sitting there. I said, how much will you charge to take me to Statesville? He said, $20. I said, let's get it. I jumped back in that taxi, and we got home. When I got home, snow was knee-deep. Here I've been in tropical weather for over two and a half years, about to freeze to death. But oh, what a blessing it was when I woke up and when I knocked on that door and my wife answered that door and threw her arms around my neck. And brother, are you talking about uh, getting together? You're talking about a time. But that's earthly. But I want you to think about the time when we get home. Oh, I can see her now. My little old mother sat over there that prayed for me all of those years that I was in Vietnam and other places and prayed for me to get saved. And then one day when she got the word I got saved, they said, uh, I can, uh, the people said we heard her shouting all over the community her son had got saved. Yes, she's waiting on me. There's some old earthly fathers in the ministry that I came up under. They're waiting on me. I can't wait to get there. I want to ask you this morning. I know I've gone over a little bit, but praise God, I'm having a good time. I hope you are. And I hope after the day when Brother Steve comes back and gets in this pulpit and begins to preach, I want you to think about what Jesus has done for you. And hey, don't sit there like I did not on the log. Bless God. Give the Lord the praise and the glory and the honor. Let him know, brother, something's happened around here. We're tired of not praising our God. Boy, if the world can praise theirs, let's praise ours. If you want to get excited, just come on up here and sit beside me sometime. We'll get excited together. Oh, when they get talking about the blood. Talk about his coming. Let's stand to our feet with our heads bowed this morning. I don't know what you need to do in your life. I know that I want to rejoice and praise him. He's the only one that's worthy. And I'd I'd like to see my brothers and sisters get so full of the Holy Spirit of God that they can't help but to let it out. The only way this world is going to see the praise for our God and our Savior is that if we do it, Somebody said, well, I don't believe in all this here emotional stuff and all of this so-called shouting. I don't believe in it either if it's not real. But I want to tell you, when the Holy Spirit of God gets down to that heart and begins to ring out that old heart, brother, and you get to thinking about what she's done for him every now and then, just say, oh, glory, hallelujah. Let it out. Don't let Satan get the victory over you, amen. And that's exactly what he does. When you don't praise God in your life as a child of God, Satan gets the victory in your life. Bless God, I'm going to do like Brother Jeremy Simpson said. I'm going to shout on just I'm going to shout on principle. Just because he's God. Amen. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask Miss Horn if she will to 
play just a little bit on the piano. If you have a need this morning, if you're here and you're not saved, why don't you come to Brother Brandon, myself, any of these men, be glad to take the Word of God and show you how to be saved, lead you to Christ. Uh, my personal opinion is if you're willing to accept him, if you just step out, the moment you step out, you're, you've said, Lord, I'm, I want you. They don't have to show you. They just give you a few scriptures and tell you, you know, you belong to Christ. Now here's the word of God. Get in it. Get in the church. Start growing. Start living for him. Amen. Father, I pray now that your will might be done this morning. Thank you for the message. God, it, it thrilled my soul if it didn't thrill anyone else. Thank you, God, for being good to us. Thank you for keeping us from uh, the, uh, the storm and all the water. Lord, I pray that you just continue to bless in accordance with your will. Help us to live for you. Help us to be about the Lord's business. And God, I pray that you bless the rest of our afternoon. Lord, have your way now in Christ's name. Amen. Miss Horn, play whatever you have. Brother Brandon, if you got anything to say, go ahead.